Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. show for you today. Today's show is Insurance Issues of Financial Planning for the CHD Community, and our guests are Lauren Redfern and Austin Wilmot. Laura Redfern, CFP, earned her Certified Financial Planner designation in 2011 after working for over 10 years in the financial services industry. Having a background in investment management and retirement planning, Laura was attracted to comprehensive financial planning, and the opportunity to serve clients in a more significant way. Laura has a passion for educating individuals on financial topics, speaking in real-world terms to inspire individuals to become confident in making financial decisions. An experienced speaker and trainer, Laura has presented financial seminars at the American Business Women's Association, Temple College, and McLennan Community College. She has nearly 15 years' experience working with teachers, baby boomers, and women to align financial goals with life values. Laura's mission is to reduce clients' stress, make money more meaningful, and take the fear out of finance. We'll meet Austin in the second segment of the show. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Laura. Thanks for having me, Anna. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show, Laura. Just recently, Laura, I did a show with adults with congenital heart defects and neurological injuries. Kathy Keller was my guest, and she did a great job of explaining some of the things that she felt parents needed to know to be prepared just in case their children grew into adults who were not able to care for themselves. What financial advice do you have for parents who have children who might grow up but might not be able to live independently? Probably the most important is to make a plan, not to put off important financial decisions and not to ignore that elephant in the room and that possibility, but have a talk with your spouse, your grandparents, everyone who's involved in the child's life and talk about how are we going to do this? How are we going to address this possibility? If you're honest and upfront and get the conversation going, you may find there is more support and more help out there than you ever imagined, but you'll never find that help if you don't start the conversation. The other thing that I would say financially is there are so many unknowns, but don't let that control you. Instead, focus on what you can control. Short term, that's your saving and your spending habits, especially putting money away for a rainy day. Starting that rainy day fund is so important. Even if you just start with $20 a month, start and get in the habit of doing that. 
And then for long term, there are other vehicles that we could talk about later that can help you to save for that possibility that you might need to provide financial support later on down the road for your child. Okay. I, I love that. I love what you said about reaching out to everyone in the child's life because you never know if there's an aunt or a grandparent who has already made some financial considerations for their extended family. Yes, indeed. Yes. I really, really like that. Since you're my financial planner, Laura, I know the routine you use when you first meet with a client, but I'm sure that not all my listeners have had the privilege of working with a certified financial planner like you. Can you tell our listeners why it might be a good idea for them to find a financial planner? Certainly. So there's a common misconception that financial planners are only for the super rich. And while that may have been true in the past, it certainly is not true anymore. So if you think about, do you need someone who might help you to get financially organized? Someone who might help you to build confidence in financial matters? Or someone who might be an additional advocate who knows the language, almost like taking a translator when you're going to a foreign country, because in many ways, that's what you're doing when you're delving into the world of finance. So if you need someone to help you with those items, that's what a financial planner does. And many planners are going to operate as a coach or a partner and help you with those activities. As you mentioned, Anna, we went through some budgeting. We went through talking about debt. We basically took a financial inventory of where you stand today. So you get a really clear picture and then you can move forward with achieving goals, perhaps more so than you even thought. It's someone who will help to give you some insight and a little bit of motivation in navigating the financial landscape. I like that. Yes. And you've been very helpful with me to not only make those financial plans, but to figure out a really concrete way I can actually achieve those goals. And so I would like to recommend to everybody, I'm not super rich. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a stay-at-home mom. And so we only have a one-income family. My husband's a nurse. But we've been able to do some wonderful things Part of that has been with Laura's help and guidance. So I recommend you try and find a financial planner. Now, Laura, I was lucky because I met you at my Toastmasters meeting, (laughs) but that's not the typical place where you meet financial planners. So where can my listeners find a financial planner like you? I'm really glad you asked, Anna, because so many people out there will call themselves a financial planner. It's not a designation that has any kind of regulation. So be careful. The best place to find someone who is well-qualified and will have your best interests at heart would be the CFP board. That stands for Certified Financial Planner. They're a consumer advocacy board. They're not a company trying to sell you anything. They designate professionals who have gone the extra mile in education, experience, and ethics. That's the place where I would definitely start. They have a search a planner tool. You can put in your zip code and you can find a list of planners near you. And then you can start interviewing them or visiting them and seeing if they fit what you're looking for. Oh, that sounds fabulous. I never knew that existed. Yes, ma'am. Maybe I can even ask you to write a little guest blog piece for the Heart to Heart with Anna website. That would be great. And then people can just check on the blog and they can find the link right there. Absolutely. And something else they can find on that CFP board that I think is so amazing and great is there are pro bono financial planning days every October. 
the Financial Planning Association, the CFP Board, and a few other organizations all come together and offer free financial planning in metropolitan areas. And you can find a schedule of that on the CFP Board website. October 2015 was its sixth year, so it'll be the seventh year coming up this fall, and I encourage people to take advantage of that. Oh my gosh, Laura, that's amazing. So we'll definitely make sure that we have the blog up for October. And then cool. that way people can see it. That would be Wonderful. great. Okay, so be looking for that Heart to Heart with Anna listeners, October 2016. Laura will be writing a blog for us. Absolutely. That's great. Okay, in the third segment, Laura, we'll have you and Austin in the studio together, and I'm going to ask you for more advice for adult survivors. But in this segment, I was hoping we could end it by having you tell us if you're ever too old or too young to hire a financial planner. No, I don't think you are, really. If you can ask the questions and start the conversation, you can absolutely do it. Okay. Is it too expensive for the average adult? I don't believe so. As I mentioned, there are those pro bono days where you can get a feel for it. Many CFPs will charge an hourly rate, kind of like you would with an attorney or um, another professional. There's also a great piece that I can put on the blog for you, Anna. The Garrett Planning Network is another wonderful group that's very big on only answering the questions that are needed. Most planners will have either a choice of charging a portion of the fees that they manage. So in other words, if you're going to invest with them, it would be a percentage of that. But you don't have to have a big nest egg. They can also charge an hourly fee or maybe just a project. Maybe you have a particular project that needs to happen and they can charge a project fee. So while it's a one-time fee and it may be a 1000 or $2,000 if it's a large project, that could help you for the rest of your life. So I encourage people to take a look at it and think about long-term effects on their planning and their lives and the lives of the child. That all sounds like really, really good advice. Are they like other professionals, Laura? Can you ask to get a quote before you're committed to having to spend the money with them? That is very wise, Anna. Yes, any professional should be able to provide you a fee schedule in writing before you sign up for anything. Always ask for everything in writing. And if you have any doubts or questions, ask for clarification. The planners should be able to answer that and should be more than happy to answer that for you before you enter into an engagement. That is so helpful to know. I like to get things in writing. It helps me to make sure that we're both on the same page. Absolutely. Okay, well, this was really, really helpful, Laura. Thank you for sharing all that information with us. My pleasure. Well, now it's time for us to take a quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Austin Wilmot, an adult CHD survivor who is also a psychotherapist practicing in St. Louis, Missouri, and he's going to talk to us about insurance issues of financial planning when it comes to dealing with issues in addition to the congenital heart defect, such as depression, anxiety, developmental concerns. We're going to cover all of that when we come back after this brief commercial break. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. 
back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is insurance issues and financial planning for the CHD community, and our guests are Laura Redfern and Austin Wilmot. We just finished talking with Laura Redfern about why financial planning can be beneficial for both adult CHD survivors and their parents. Austin Wilmot, MSW, is a child and adult psychotherapist practicing in St. Louis, Missouri, with expertise in working with both individuals and families across a diversity of issues. Some of Mr. Wilmot's areas of expertise include anxiety and depression, experiences of trauma, relational and behavioral issues, identity concerns, developmental concerns, and chronic medical conditions. He has offered seminars and taught on various topics, including the impact of trauma, trauma, loss, and crisis intervention. Austin combines his knowledge and experience as a social worker with an understanding of how inner conflicts and dilemmas impact development and functioning from infancy through adulthood. Austin Wilmot earned his MSW, or Master's of Social Work, from the Brown School of Social Work at Washington University in St. Louis and is a graduate of advanced postgraduate training at the St. Louis Psychoanalytic Institute. You can find more information at www.austinwilmot.com and that's A-U-S-T-I. W-I-L-M-O-T dot com. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna Austin. Thank you, Anna. Thanks for having me. Well, I love having adult CHD survivors on the show because you add a special expertise to the show, having lived with CHD all your life. So my question is about insurance for adult survivors. How difficult is it for adult survivors to get insurance? And what recommendations do you have as a social worker regarding adult CHD survivors getting insurance? And it's such a great question. Before 2014, there was a lot more difficulty in getting insurance for adults with CHD. Of course, it was the era of the pre-existing condition clause. And so there was a lot of trouble getting CHD care covered. Luckily, since January 1st of 2014, the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act came into place. And it's a lot easier now because we don't have to worry as much about the exclusions due to pre-existing conditions. And so what I think is so important for adult survivors is that they get familiar with their insurance policy, the deductibles they have, what providers are in their network, because of course, I'm such an advocate for lifelong care. And so is the Adult Congenital Heart Association that we really promote people getting connected with centers that are both accredited and specializing in CHD care. And they're not everywhere. And so it's important to be familiar with your cardiologist, how knowledgeable they are about your particular condition, and also making sure that your insurance is something that is working for that particular center. So it's a really important issue, I think, and especially as more and more people are living fuller and fuller lives, longer lives into adulthood, I think that it's an issue that we want to continue to talk about. Well, I agree. And as the mother of an adult survivor, I worry about what's going to happen when Alex isn't on my insurance anymore. How is he going to know how to navigate all of this? It's been easy with him being on my policy, but that transition, and it's happening later and later, which is kind of good because it gives them more time to look and they're adults. And so I think they have a greater chance of understanding everything that's involved. But do you have any tips for how people can make that transition a little bit smoother, Austin? I think it's important that whenever that transition takes place around, I think right now the age limit is 26, that the adult who's going to be transitioning off of a family insurance policy, for example, that they take a look probably prior to accepting employment somewhere that the place that has a coverage that 
is going to be effective for managing their CHD and ongoing care since so often there's at least yearly appointments, frequent procedures and surgeries. It really is important to make sure that, and maybe in consultation with a certified financial planner like Laura, being able to take a look at what is going to be sustainable. I know that that's something that I did whenever I moved on to getting employment and looking at my insurance policies I had at the time. I wanted to make sure that I could continue to see the cardiologist that was seeing me and that I would be able to afford it and keep up with my care. I know that so often there's also government assistance available. A lot of hospitals also have financial assistance that I think is important to take a look at depending on what area you're in. That's all excellent advice. And you're right. There is some government assistance. And isn't that frequently what you social workers will do with the patients? Yes, we very much are available for consultation on that, and usually that's a part of an assessment in the hospital or in the actual patient interaction that takes place. But I think also it's just another resource that many accredited congenital heart centers will have is where you can consult with a social worker or someone who's knowledgeable about the insurance issues there. So it wouldn't be a bad idea to make sure that you're able to get time with that person who's in your area. In your bio, Austin, I read that you specialize in depression, anxiety, and helping people dealing with traumatic experiences. I've talked with a lot of adult CHD survivors, and many of them seem to suffer from depression or anxiety, or both. I even devoted an entire show to that topic in Season 1 of Heart to Heart with Anna. So can you tell me from a financial perspective how survivors can prepare for possible problems in that area? Sure. I think what you're asking about is the cost of psychotherapy. And I think there are many options available for people that are looking for mental health treatment. For instance, we were just talking about insurance. I think people need to be taking a look at what their mental health benefits are on their insurance plan. So of course, you can always do that. Look at who's in your network, who's a private practitioner, or if there's a different agency in town that has a staff of different therapists that of course, would specialize in an issue that you'd like to work on. There's also going the route of finding someone who's out of your network, who's private pay, which would again be taking a look at what fee they charge on an hourly basis, seeing what works with your budget. The other option would be that there are many, many low-cost clinics all over the place, and they actually work on a sliding fee scale schedule. And so what you can do is either look online, you can call your local referral line or 211, and they can usually help people get connected to low-cost psychotherapy clinics who take a look at what your income and what your resources are, and they can help you get connected with the therapist that you can afford and stay with. So I think it's important to look at what works for you and your financial situation, but it is something to keep in your mind, especially if you're suffering with anxiety, depression, other types of concerns that you would really get a lot of benefit from by working with a therapist long-term or short-term. Right. I like that you said that, Austin. The impact of medical trauma itself is something that's not talked about enough. What I love is that in many children's hospitals, there are child life specialists who will work with the families and the children to help them get as prepared as possible for different procedures. And so that would include everything from meeting with the doctor to the needle stick to taking a look at the procedure room, helping the child put words to the experience so that they can already have a sense of what they're going into, which is going to help them be able to regulate their emotions throughout the process. It's going to lead to better recovery. It's going to make it less traumatic, less of a surprise, which I think is so important. The adult side of this, I think that, of course, with adult survivors of CHD, there can be so many experiences that happen repeatedly over and over again, whether it's different surgeries, interactions in hospitals, 
goals, these can all be triggering events. And so sometimes what brings someone to seek help is that they have an upcoming surgery or something that's on their mind, which is bringing up past memories, past experiences. And so sometimes it is, sometimes that short-term support that's needed for a particular upcoming event. But sometimes these issues have been longstanding and need more intense and in-depth work. Well, I'm so glad that you're talking about this, Austin, because I agree with you. I don't think that we're talking enough about the mental health issues of dealing with a chronic illness. And having a congenital heart defect is a chronic illness. And I think that we focus so much on the heart that sometimes we don't think about what other problems having a chronic illness can cause. And it's not uncommon for people to develop some phobias or to develop some fears when they are being put in extremely stressful situations. And I think having to undergo multiple procedures, I mean, sometimes you just can't get away from it, can you, Austin? You really can't. I think what you're labeling is that there's so much overstimulation in the environment and that reflects then what's going on inside for a child or even for an adult. And I also want to point out so frequently there's very early experiences of medical intervention in infancy. So when we think about the impact of these medical procedures and what needs to happen, especially in the neonatal intensive care unit or in surgery, there's so much overstimulation that goes on. And of course, these are infants that don't have words yet. to label their experience. Mm -hmm. I so frequently talk to adults about if you name it, you can tame it. These early medical experiences are things that babies aren't able to process it the same way an adult can. And so it leads to all sorts of different things that need to be talked about and addressed. I love that you're bringing this up. I so frequently talk to parents about the idea of building emotional muscle and helping their kids do the same. There's a book out there. It's called Emotional Muscle, and it's by the Novics. And I frequently recommend this to parents, and not only the parents of children with CHD, but all the parents I work with. Just in terms of development, it's so important that we need to promote that in our kids. And sometimes there's these traumatic experiences which put a stop on development or slow it down. And we need to take a look at helping our kids name all their feelings and be able to contain all this stuff that's going on in their lives. It can be so stressful. It really can. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you to write a guest blog. I want a guest blog on how to develop emotional muscle. I've never heard of this before, Austin. I would love to do that. That'd be wonderful. Oh my gosh. This would be so great. You are so terrific. Thank you, Austin, for sharing all this information. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so we need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, folks, because next we'll have Laura and Austin in the studio together, and they're going to tell us what they think parents can do to help put their children in a good position as adults financially and emotionally. We'll be back right after this quick commercial break. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is insurance issues and financial planning in the CHD community, and our guests are Laura Redfern and Austin Wilmot. We just finished talking with Austin about insurance issues and so much more. If you didn't hear the first and second segments, just back up and listen to them because they were so awesome. But now we're going to talk 
with both Laura and Austin. We're all in the studio together, and I want to hear what Laura and Austin have to say about what parents can do to help their children be in a good position to be successful, healthy, happy adults. So, Laura, let's go ahead and start with you. Many parents of children with complex CHDs are dealing with multiple surgeries, having to buy medications, paying for therapy, and there are so many things that they have to pay for on an ongoing basis that they don't have much money for savings. Are there certain things that parents can do, even if they don't have a lot of disposable money, to help them put their children in a good financial position as an adult? Absolutely. Probably the most important thing that parents can do is to model good behavior. I read an article recently that made me laugh a little bit, but it was also kind of sad. And that's the fact that kids don't see parents doing financial tasks anymore because it's all online. So kids don't see parents paying the bills and balancing the checkbook and those types of activities that we may have grown up witnessing. So they don't have an understanding of basic financial concepts. A young child might think that the ATM makes money. And we know that that's not true. So it's so important for parents to talk to children about money. Have an age-appropriate conversation, of course, but there are so many wonderful resources and books out there to help you have this conversation early and don't let it be a taboo topic in your family, regardless of your situation. That's probably the most important thing that parents can do to get kids off on a really good start financially. And that has nothing to do with how much money you have in the bank. Right. Oh, I love that advice. That's awesome. And you're so right. I didn't even think of that. So many of us have our bills come automatically out of our checking account. Whereas mm-hmm. when, when I was a kid, there was no internet. So I saw my mom and dad having to pay bills and I'd never even thought about that, how much harder it probably is for kids today. Wow. That's great advice, Laura. Austin, can you tell us a couple of things that parents can do to help their children with complex CHDs to develop in a healthy way emotionally, despite the necessity of multiple surgeries, procedures, and medications? Sure. I think one of the important things to do, which is such a major thing, is just listening, learning to listen. And I think that we all listen in our own way, but our children are trying to tell us things in all sorts of ways. It's in their behavior. It's in if they like to draw. It's in games they play. I think so frequently, if we just take a little bit of extra time out and have that quality time, we get to get into our child's inner world and learn more about what's going on for them, what's making them feel a certain way. And I think we need to also take a look at trying to see behavior issues that are going on instead of it being a problem and it's just something to discipline, but actually looking at it as a form of communication about what's going on in the relationship between the child and the parent or the family as a whole. There's another book I recommend frequently to parents. It's called Keeping Your Child in Mind by Claudia Gold. And she is very articulate in getting this across and helping parents use behavior as a way that they can learn more about what's going on for their child. And I think this is important with children with CHD because there is so much that is going on that is overwhelming, all sorts of feelings, all sorts of things that need to be worked through. It's already too much for a young four, five, six, seven-year-old child. There's so much going on that needs to be processed and talked about. Sometimes kids communicate more through their behavior or through drawings they do. So I think that also the idea of seeking help, if there are bigger issues going on that you don't know how to handle, don't be afraid to seek the professional consultation of a therapist in your area. Because of course, having a child with CHD, it doesn't just affect that child, it affects the whole family. And if there are siblings involved, I think it's important that everyone gets the help that they deserve. 
Oh, I just love that. And one of the guests I had on my show talked about sib shops, which are special workshops for the siblings, because you are absolutely right. When you have a chronic illness in a family, it affects everybody. It doesn't only affect the child who has the chronic illness. And so I think it's really important for us to look at how the kids are communicating. It may be with behavior. It may not be with words, especially if they're very young children. And so watching them, how they play with one another and what they're communicating with us is just of vital importance. I love that. That's so great. Laura, what last piece of financial advice can you offer our Heart to Heart with Anna listeners? I love that Austin has been talking about emotion because let's face it, finance is an emotional topic and too often people try to separate it as a logical topic, but it's not. It's really tied in with our emotions and our behavior and our experiences in life. So one of the most important things is to not let the fear of finance stop you from making really important decisions that are going to impact your future and the future of your children and of your family. So perhaps number one, is just don't delay. Start the conversation and keep asking questions. Any good financial planner is going to tell you there are no stupid questions except the ones that are not asked. So ask the questions, ask for various resources. Don't rely on just one. Even amongst professionals, you're going to find differing opinions. So Keep asking and find someone to help and work with you who's going to feel right for you, your family, and your particular situation. I love that. I think that you can't put all your eggs in one basket, but I think that it's important to find somebody who fits well with you and then work with that person and bring that person questions. Absolutely. Like you and Austin were saying earlier, we aren't talking enough about other issues that stem from a chronic illness. And that's true with finance as well. You need to be talking. You need to have a conversation. Don't let it be taboo. I love that. Something else that your listeners would probably be interested in, Anna, is a new law that was put into effect in December 2014. And that's something called ABLE Savings Accounts. Have you heard of this? I have not. I didn't think so. It's not being very talked about. ABLE stands for Achieving a Better Life Experience, which I just love. And what it is, is it's basically a savings account for anyone who's been diagnosed as disabled before age 26. And the money in there grows tax-free and can be used for everything from medicine to equipment that is needed for that person's well-being. So it's kind of like a Roth IRA in some ways that it's a tax-free growth vehicle, but it's just wonderful that this is specifically for those who've been diagnosed as being disabled. And the other great thing is multiple people can contribute to the account. So when you mentioned very early on, Anna, that there might be an aunt or a grandparent or someone who wants to help financially, they could potentially contribute to this type of savings account and help the money to grow for the child. That is amazing. I can't believe I've never heard of this before, Laura. Yes, I was surprised too when I was reading an article about it recently and said, wait a minute, this has been a law for a year and no one's really talking about it. Part of that is because they're just now rolling out the plans. So as you know, when something becomes a new law or new rule, it takes a little while for the industry to absorb it. So the plans are just becoming available now. I know that Ohio recently opened up one, Nebraska has one, Florida has one. They're all state sponsored, but you're not required to be 
a resident of the state that sponsors it. And that way it's kind of like a 529 educational savings account sponsored by a state, but anybody can potentially contribute to one. So my advice would be if you're interested in that to maybe Google it and find out some more or also talk to a planner who would have some more information about how to work with one of those accounts if it's appropriate for you. Okay. Wow. That's great. So the ABLE Savings Account, Achieving a Better Life Experience. Isn't that what we all want? That's awesome. I love it. Yes. Oh, and the other thing to mention is that this was created so that you will not have a detrimental effect on Social Security or Medicaid benefits as well, which is a big concern for those who are taking those benefits. So it would not endanger your right to government benefits by having an ABLE account. Okay. This really sounds interesting. Austin, what final piece of advice would you like to offer Heart to Heart Within our listeners regarding their mental health? One thing that's coming to my mind is how incredible the experience of heart camp is for kids. And I think it's so important. I'm thinking about mental health. I'm thinking about how important it is for children with CHD to not feel alone. There's all sorts of heart camps across the country. I think it's so important that you do some research and make sure that you find the one that's near you, get connected with it, and get your kid to camp. All these camps are different in terms of ages and how it all works out, what month it's in. I think it's such an incredible experience. I have been working as a camp counselor at a heart camp for the past three years, and it just absolutely worked wonders for these kids because for some of them, it's the first time they're meeting someone that has a scar just like them or has an experience that they've had. They form these wonderful friendships and relationships. Many of them go on throughout the whole year. It's just an amazing way to feel connected and feel like you're not alone. And many of these kids going to heart camp, they later become counselors at the heart camp. I know recently I had the opportunity to do an emotional muscle therapeutic support group for kids. And also I did some activities with the siblings that were there for a day camp at a heart camp that was nearby. I think it brought up so many different feelings and just so much that the kids were able to feel connected on and have the support of one another. I just think it's something that you can't really find anywhere. And so my homework assignment to all the listeners would be make sure that you find that heart camp nearby. Also those other organizations in your area. There's all sorts of pediatric and adult groups for survivors. And so just making sure you know what the resources are in your area and that you can form a community there for the support that you need as well as parents. Oh, I just absolutely love that. And if you go to one of the websites that Heart Unite the Globe sponsors, it's congenitalheartdefects.com. We have a whole section on the heart camps. And if you run a heart camp and you're listening to this and I don't have you on that website, send me a note at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com and I will make sure that I get it up there because I agree with you 100%. These heart camps can be absolutely amazing and people form lifelong friendships through them they do Mm -hmm. but i also agree with what you said about looking for other ways of support and facebook if you're a facebook person there are tons of facebook groups out there you can find a support for your specific heart defect or if you're a heart mom it's amazing how many different groups there are but for the adult survivors also there's a group called the zipper sisters that's specific for women who have congenital heart defects there's even a facebook group that's run by a friend of mine john richings he's been on the show before and it talks about exercise for adults with congenital heart defects. So if you have an interest or a need for support, you pretty much can find it if you are willing to do your homework, like you're saying, Austin. 
Absolutely. And it doesn't end at the end of childhood. ACHA, the Adult Congenital Heart Association, they have conferences usually every other year. They have defect-specific support groups and all sorts of wonderful seminars. There's so many resources out there. It's important to get familiar with them. There really are. And there are also other regional conferences. In fact, I'll be speaking at a regional conference in Boston in November mm-hmm. 2016. And you're right. The ACHA is having a conference in October 2016. I will be there. I hope I'll see you there, Austin. I will be there. Oh, great. So it'll be in Orlando, October 2016. Go to the ACHA.org website and you can get more information. They even have scholarships. If you don't have enough money to afford the fees yourself, you can apply for one of the scholarships. So I think that's a great way to get some emotional support. I love all your advice, Laura and Austin. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Anna. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Until then, please visit us at hearttoheartwithanna.com. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.